Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. You're listening to Double G Radio. To all the non-believers, how did that? To all the non-believers, anybody can be beat. Relax and enjoy our expert analysis of all pro teams in the concrete jungle. Can't wait. The Golden State Warriors are the NBA champions for the second time in three years. Cleveland has answers. They have that answer. Some questions. They have some issues. NBA draft next week. NBA free agency. A lot going on. I'm Khalil. Khalil, Jason, the box out. The show begins right now. Jason Cordner will be joining me in a few, few seconds. And uh, the NBA Finals kind of went the way that everyone assumed it would. Cleveland got their one big win to force a game five and go back to Golden State. Game five started out competitive and then the floodgates just opened up and Golden State just outran and outmanned the Cleveland Cavaliers on the way to their second championship in three years, their fifth overall as a franchise. And what can you say about Kevin Durant? You can't say anything more about Kevin Durant and the play, his play in the NBA Finals. It was, it, it was monumental. It was performances every game, games one through five, that showed that he should be in a conversation for one of the best players in the NBA. Now, he always was considered one of the best players in the NBA, but for some odd reason, I feel like he's always just missing the mark a little bit. But this series showed that Kevin Durant, as I bring in Jason Cordner, is one of the best players in the NBA and could be considered one of the top three. Jason, NBA Finals over, Golden State Warriors, uh, NBA champions. Your thoughts, man? Well, you know, we most people predicted this would happen the moment Kevin Durant made his intention known that he was going to Oakland. But I must say, for the first time ever, I'm enjoying this gentleman's sleep. Because it's like, they're, they're fully embracing the heel role. And I'm loving every minute of it. I'm loving the Draymond Green's quickie t-shirt. I'm loving the jabs that LeBron's finally gone bald because the dubs made him do it. I'm embracing Kevin Durant. I'm embracing his mom. Steph is back here and sitting back. All of a sudden, you know, it's funny how the, the narrative was two weeks ago with how LeBron chasing Michael Jordan. But all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Steph, has, Steph has two rings now to LeBron's three, 
and we could all agree that you know the Warriors are going to get more rings. So it's really it's, it's a good time to be an NBA fan, especially after watching last night's thirty for thirty and the night before uh, the Lakers and and Celtics rivalry. Pretty much, this is what we got going on in the NBA. These two are going to meet again for a couple more years. Now, what's going to be the next act? What does LeBron do to step up his game? It's a good time to be an NBA fan. It really is. And I feel like, yeah, was the series exciting? It definitely had its moments. Was the playoffs exciting? Let's look at it as a whole. It wasn't as an exciting playoff as everyone wanted and wanted to see. But in the end, we got the two teams, like you said, everyone expected to see. And Golden State just outplayed Cleveland. Now, game four was an aberration. Game four was Cleveland hitting all their shots. He scored something like 89 points in the first half. So I'm watching that game, and in my head, I'm like, that's not gonna, that's not game five. By halftime, you knew Cleveland was playing for pride at that point because they didn't want to get swept. But after the game was over, you knew, going back to Golden State, the series was going to end in game five. But I will give him props. That game four was insane. <laughs> you know, one thing I loved about the game four, too, and it's kind of like Cleveland knew they wasn't going to win the series, but they wasn't overreacting after every shot. They they just walked off the court calmly. It was one of those nights, like they said, the, Bucks, they, the ball was going in the hoop, and they knew they wasn't going to get another game. So I applaud Cleveland the way they handled themselves. You know, I feel like if it was another team, they would have been, you know, all jabbering and poking at the Warriors, but the Cavs didn't do that. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting summer because I feel like especially – and I feel like the, his, this name keeps getting mentioned on this show. Kevin Love did not show up in game five. So now LeBron played his ass off. Kyrie played his ass off. But now – Look at that number. That third member of that big three didn't show up in that game five elimination game when they probably could have used them. Now you're looking, thinking like, hmm, maybe LeBron might make a play and say, you know what, we don't want him anymore. We gotta get rid of Kevin Love. And you keep saying mellow for Love. Maybe you know trade Love for Paul George. So there's a bunch of different ideas being thrown around. I think Kevin Love did the most disservice to himself, especially with this game five performance. He did, but I feel like he's not the problem. The problem is that I feel like they need to keep Kevin Love and try to get a mellow for somehow try to, you know, still take him for, you know, still offload him for anybody. But at this point, I think they need another playmaker alongside those three. Because I think Love did what he could have done as best as he could do. But the only problem is I feel like the way the Warriors play, it neutralized his style of play. So it was like he's got to come out there. He's got to defend. We, we all saw the memes of Steph Curry making them skate, you know. So he, he's off his game. That doesn't help the Cavs at all. And if he's not rebounding, if he's not, you know, jacking up threes, then he becomes, you know, useless. Yeah, and it, you look at that Cleveland, that Cleveland roster itself, and you kind of just saw it in game five. Their bench compared to what Golden State put out. And yes, Andre Iguodala scored 20 points. He played crazy minutes, played 38 minutes. At the expense of JaVel McGee, who I'm not sure even played in game five. But you look at that Warriors bench and their role players, and those guys have jobs. You know, Iguodala's going to come off and give you some some points, some energy. McGee is a good inside guy. David West is that, that, that wily veteran. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and then you look at Cleveland's bench, Darren Williams, your favorite player. He didn't do anything. Kyle Korver was just 
absent in this series. You Shumper was kind of just not a non-factor. I think now the, the focus has to shift from Cleveland's starting lineup to that bench, and they have to figure out, listen, LeBron needs breaks. LeBron looked winded. Kyrie looked winded. We need guys on this bench that can come off and play some minutes and give these big guys breaks because by the end of game five, LeBron was huffing hard. Yeah. But you know what's funny? It's interesting about that, but Cleveland has the highest payroll. So what are, what options do they have but to get, like, minimum veteran players out there? I mean, look at Golden State. I mean, they got they got a couple of guys for those. Well, I mean, those guys want to play with Cleveland and play with Golden State. So it should be that difficult, but I feel like they're so the focused Cavs, on. The Cavs have to be, the Cavs have to get younger. And that's the problem. I feel like all you're going to do is get some older players while you still have a, a, a you know, a nice young nucleus in, in the Golden State where you're going to get more huffing and puffing. And this time you got to be careful because I do think Boston and maybe another team in East, I don't know which team yet, will step their game up. So it won't be just a cakewalk to the finals for the Cavs. No, it, it, it really won't. I feel like, I feel like they know that. I feel like deep down they, they're understanding that, you know what, we, we need to make a move. We have to do something because – the West, uh, sorry, the East is only getting better. So at some point mm-hmm. of the game, they're like, "Hey, we, we got to step it up a little bit because it's not going to be this, this this easy for us to kind of steamroll through playoffs anymore." And especially when those guys aren't getting breaks. Like you, like I said, you they're playing. LeBron James played forty six minutes. Kyrie Irving played forty two. J.R. Smith played forty one. And James had forty one. Irving had twenty five. Uh, twenty six. J.R. Smith had twenty five. But then you look at the bench, they go four deep. Richard Jefferson only had four points. Darren Williams had zero. Shumpert had zero. Kyle Clover had three points in 18 minutes. And you didn't see Darren Williams. I'm sorry. You didn't see Derek Williams see Channing Fry. You didn't see Jones. It's 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 pretty it's it's enlightening, I'll put it that way. It's very enlightening to see that. When you look at the Warriors bench, Patrick McCall came off the bench, had six points, and hit some big shots. And he was yep. probably the thinnest guy out there, and he was just inside getting rebounds. I think, I, I think you know, we're, the Cavs are in trouble. I really do. And I keep hearing the name Melo or Paul George. How, why would either Phil or whoever's on the Pacers make that move? I feel like Kevin Love would succeed at Indiana because Indiana – is not big. It's not that big a microscope on Indiana. It's a small market, kind of like Minnesota. Big fish, little pond. But Paul George for Kevin Love is not a. Maybe it's just me. Is that a fair trade deal? Is that straight up one for one? Is that a fair trade for Indiana? No, but you risk the option of him walking after next season. Either way, so it's kind of like they're they're in a tougher situation than the Knicks. Because the Knicks, you know, you got to wear the mellow snow train clothes, and you got to, you know, it's a couple of hurdles. But for Indiana, Indiana could off- offload him knowing if, because it's, it's out there, he's not resigning. So it's either LA or he plays with LeBron. Those are pretty much going to be Paul George's option. So I could see Indiana pulling that move. I just don't think it'd be a great move for them because I feel like they're going to get the, they're going to get the Kevin Love in Minnesota, but that style of play, as the Warriors have shown you, is not going to win you games, let alone championships in the new NBA. 
No, you, you're totally right. And I feel, and I feel bad because Kevin Love is going to be is the fall guy. Kevin Love's been getting a lot of criticism since the series ended, and I feel bad for him. But you look at Golden State, and they have a lot of decisions to make this offseason also. Steph Curry, he's a free agent, unrestricted. He can leave whenever he wants. The Warrior ownership already came out and said they're going to do whatever it takes to keep him around, which I'm pretty sure he's going to stay. The yeah. question is if he stays, it's how much money is he willing to defer to keep the team intact? Because I feel like he can make the max. I think the max is five years, 201 million or somewhere in that, in that number. And if he takes the whole 200, that's going to really put a strain on the money for Golden State. Now, if Curry's willing to kind of pull back a little bit and say, listen, don't give me the whole 200, give me X amount and use the other bit of money for other people, you're looking at a five to six year thing with this team. Do you think Steph is willing to do that? I think Steph is like, I want my money right now. Absolutely. I think he's willing. He's going to take a pay. I think he's willing to take a pay cut and everybody's going to follow his lead. And for Steph, what makes this, what makes the situation even that much sweeter for Steph and KD, they have great sneaker deal contracts. And then on top of Curry, I believe Curry has stakes in Under Armour. So he's financially set. Plus the team is born in privilege. Let's, let's, let's keep it real. He's born in privilege. So he's not thinking about the money. He's doing all this for the love of the game. So why not have a chance here to like really build the next dynasty? They're, the Golden State organization has five rings now. That's one behind the Bulls. So they could easily leap past the Bulls and become what the third the third highest um, ring total in NBA history. They could possibly mm-hmm. off two, easily reel off, reel off two more championships. We haven't seen a three-peat since the Lakers, early 2000s. I think that's what they're gunning for right now. So I think they will definitely take a pay cut. They'll do whatever it takes to keep these four, these fantastic four together, and try to make history here. Yeah, I'm I'm of the mind where they're all. I think they're all gonna. Like Clay's on the contract. Draymond's on the contract. Durant can opt out and get more money. Curry's a free agent. I think you're right. I think Curry's in. But listen, I don't care about the money. Give me this, and just leave it alone. Durant is gonna go. Hey, I don't care. Give me this, and keep moving. I feel like they're they know what they have. I think the finals showed them. I think they really didn't understand what they had until the NBA finals. And I think now they understand we got a shot for something big. And I think they're willing to kind of forego some, uh, you know, $40, 50000000 million for that, for that legacy. So I think this thing could, this thing could go a while where the West, every other team in the West is just going to be looking up at Golden State and, and hope, you know, I hate to say it, and hope that someone gets hurt. And it's hurt long term yeah. where they can't play for extended period of time and kind of knock them off their pedestal. That's the only way I see this thing even going sideways. One other alternative I could possibly see happening is folks start getting in Clay Thompson's ear and, you know, start stroking his ego like, hey, listen, man, you could go somewhere else, get paid, be the man, yada, yada, yada. But I doubt that happens either. But that's the only one of the four who I see you have to do a little bit more convincing to get him to take a pay cut. Yeah, and I think Clay said, Clay said he's not, he, he, he would rather stay in Golden State and stay in his current role than go swear to be the man. Because, like I said, Clay Thompson realizes I can get like five rings out of this and be among the best in the NBA, NBA history. So I feel like he realizes that now. And, it, it, and they each have their own role. It's like Durant is the leader of the team. Steph was, Durant is. Curry's 
and it's weird to say Curry is option number two. Curry's option yeah. two. Draymond's that Draymond's that attitude that they don't have. Draymond's that dude that's gonna get in there and fight for everybody. And Clay's is that quiet warrior player who's just gonna like, all right, I'm having a bad night shooting. I'm gonna play some defense instead. Oh, okay, cool. I'm gonna score 70 points right now. I feel like they each have their own role and it works so well. Well, early in the year, you saw them play. And it was like, what the hell? What is this? Doesn't work. It, 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 especially in Durant missed games and he came right back, slid right in and just kept, kind of kept moving. I just, just watching them play, especially coming back in game five, they were down. It, it just kind of grabbed me. I'm like, this team could be one of the best ever if they keep it together. And I think they understand that now. And I think everyone sees it now as much as everyone hates it. And the super team comment is out of whack and LeBron. We'll get to that in a second, but this team is amazing. <laughs> That's all I have to say. This team's amazing. And this remember, don't forget, this is year one. We saw with the great Miami Heat team that LeBron was on the first year, they came out the gate. They looked great, but in the finals, they, they choked it away. And we haven't seen a first-year group gel this well since maybe since the Celtics in 08. But even then, that was a little, you know, they were older, so they was more veterans. But this team, they're still in the mm-hmm. time. They're still young. I could easily see them, you know, rattling off 66 wins next year. And that's only, that's only because they want to, like, you know, rest a couple of games. Oh, yeah. I mean, if everyone plays all 82, they can win 73 again. Easy. I feel like you're right. I'm like, let's just let's just sit down and chill out a little bit. It was also a really good championship. It was good to see Steve Kerr get the ring. He was emotional after he won. Uh, his his health problems well documented, and just seeing Steve Kerr and how he's put this team, how he's worked with his team, and how he's figured out the different pieces. And especially when you're kind of taking guys out, you put you take out a Draymond, you put an Iguodala, you get a whole different lineup, but it works. Drell McGee didn't play in game five, but you saw other guys, Patrick McCall, you saw Matt Barnes for a hot minute, Steve Kerr, and God bless us, because we, we, we should have had him in the Knicks, is turning out to be one of those coaches where you're like, wow, he's really good at this. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things, hey, you know, now you understand why that was Phil's first and really only true option for the Knicks job, but yeah, Phil definitely put his mark, I'm sorry, sorry Steve Kerr definitely put his mark on that. <laughs> On this, on the organization, because at first, you know, when he got hired, I was like, he's really running a couple of Mark Jackson's plays, but he's really turned it up the last couple of years, implementing his style of play, defense first, you know, things like that. He wasn't seeing that throughout the league, but um, yeah, kudos to Kurt. I feel bad for Luke Walton, though. I feel like he should have stayed one more year and hanged out, and then he would have got such a great offer this year from somebody, possibly even Lakers, Yeah. Yeah, and you look at a Walton. Walton, he, he played with the Lakers, and he was a role player with the Lakers, and he's wanted to go back to the Lakers. He wanted to go home, but he's about to get fired. I, I hate to say this. I hate to see anyone get fired. But Magic come in. Rob Palenka's coming as GM of the Lakers. They're going to bring in their own people. Luke Walton's not one of their guys, so he's a good young coach, but his time is going to be cutting going to be, you know, cut down very soon, too, because he's not one of Magic's guys. So you're right. Exactly. Walton should have stayed another year. And, you know, there's going to be jobs opening up very soon, I think, sooner than you think. Maybe even college jobs that Walton could have went out for. Ohio State's looking for a coach. Well, we're looking for a coach. But I, Luke Walton missed out on a second consecutive ring to go to the Lakers and get fired after two years, I think.
Well, God bless him, and God bless the Lakers, because I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna wet the bed with this whole draft. So we'll talk about that later. Yeah, well, we're, we're, let's, let's go into that right now, because you you sent me the text uh, telling me about the new mock draft by Bleach Report, and Bleach Report is very. Uh, I think I can say for both of us, I think we both trust Bleach Report pretty well. I think Bleach Report is a very legitimate uh, source of information. Um, and it actually has his new dra- mock draft, L.A. not selecting Lonzo Ball, which I was like, eh, I'm not sure about that. B- but it's very interesting if they don't go to Lonzo Ball route. And according to Bleach Report, they're not. And that they might even still be trying to trade that second pick. That's still in the works, too. So Lonzo Ball may not be guaranteed to go to L.A. on draft night next Thursday. Well, I don't see how that's possible, unless unless you're trading that number two pick for, for Paul George. Other than that, you have you have to make that pick. If Magic has to make that pick, if you let him slip to Philadelphia, I promise you, Philly is making the playoffs next season. But I feel like Lonzo is the perfect. He's a perfect Magic Johnson guy to be the first pick in his new regime. It'd be it'll make perfect sense to me. But then what happens to Russell? I mean, unless they, the rumor is that they would move Russell to the two, which is not a good spot for him at all. Uh, all. D'Angelo Russell's a point. He's a point guard. Um, But that's the rumor. The rumor is they would move him off the ball and probably trade him. I would hope they would try to trade him because D'Angelo Russell's a two guard just won't work in the league. Um, According to the mock draft, the Lakers are picking Josh Jackson. Uh, from Kansas, a small forward, and Ball, like you just said, Jay, falls to the number three to the Sixers, which is a huge thing. And it was, it was reported. I don't, and I don't know how serious to take this report, but it was reported that Ball came in overweight to the first his first Laker tryout. He has another one coming up, and that he just didn't look great, which could be why Bleach Report. And dropped him down a little bit based on that report. Now, I don't know if the report's true or not. I don't know who the source is that told um, this media uh, this media entity about his practice with the Lakers, but if that's the case, is the pressure getting the ball? Is it just too much going on with his father and the sneakers and big ball of brand where it might be affecting Lonzo Ball? I think it's a little both. I think first of all, I think I think it's a, a smoke screen. I think I don't believe them with a overweight. Maybe this is what I believe. I believe it's a detriment to his father where now their extra attention is being put on him, like they're watching every little thing. Maybe he gained two pounds. We're gonna put it out there that he's a little overweight. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe he was just a little slow, you know, in a couple of drills. They're gonna they're gonna put it out there. That, to me, that's their way of trying to like discredit him a little bit, or trying to make him humble, trying to humble him a little bit. And either way, he's either going second or third. He is not dropping down to no fifth or sixth. That's not happening. So the Lakers can put whatever they want out there. I think that this is just their way of PR control to the Ball family. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think so too. I feel like he, he, the Lakers are going to draft him. Like you said, I think this is just their way to say, listen. Come if you come in here, you come in here correctly. Don't come in here with all this mess with your dad. And now you come here, you can come here to play, and we can try to win some championships. 
Um, looking at the local teams in this mock draft, now we looked at how the top of the draft changed. Now we're going to number eight where the Knicks are picking. And right now, Beach Report still has the Knicks selecting Frank in his last name. I, I still can't pronounce it correctly. Tikkina. I butchered his last name, but he's the guard who plays in France right now. Uh, I'm still not sold on his pick. I'm pretty sure that he can't come over for a workout because right now his French league team are, are in the playoffs. So he can't come over for a workout before the draft. So that's not happening. So all we have is our scouts. God bless. I hope they're good. And what they're seeing, and I just, you know, he's averaging 10 points a game, three assists and two steals. That to me does not say high first round draft pick. And I feel like this is the pick that they will screw up if they pick this guy out. And there's no guarantee he's even going to come over here next year. So that's the other thing. A lot of these foreign players stay with their team another year after they get drafted and then come over. So that's even, that's even bigger risk where he might say, you know what, I'm going to stay here for another year and then come over. So I, 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 I'm still trying to figure this pick out and what they're trying to do here. It could be Frank Weiss all over again. <laughs> but I, I like I'd like to say I like to think Richard thinks that Monk will still be available, and if he is, that's who you have to take if we're going by a Bleacher Report uh, mock draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, we talk a lot about how the Knicks have no guards. They have no, right. they have no guards. I'm sorry, Derrick Rose is not the long-term answer. They're probably going to try to make him a long-term answer and offer him a ridiculous amount of money in like four years. But Malik Monk can play the one and he can play the two guard. And I feel like you need that versatility. You need a guy that can play both. That at any given moment, he can start at the point and then you know what? We're going to bring in a, we're gonna bring in Ron Baker to play point. Okay, Malik, you move over to the two. You need that versatility. Malik Monk's the guy to do it. Not to mention, you have so much tape and footage to see a Malik Monk because he played at a major program. And he played on TV uh-huh. almost every every night, essentially. That much, you yeah. don't have that you don't have on this point guard in France. I feel like you're taking a gigantic leap of faith, and this isn't the time to start taking leaps leaps of faith. You have to go with short things now, and you have to stop. You you hit once with Porzingis, stop. All right, you mm-hmm. go to the casino, you hit it big, take your money, leave. They put their money back on the, the table. table. It, it, yeah, they t- they're putting their money back on the table if they draft this guy again. Yeah. But it's all about what Phil's psyche is going. I hope Phil addresses the media pre or after the draft, because we're going to have a lot of questions for him if he screws this up. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he will screw it up. I hate to say it, but I think he's going to screw this up anyway. One pick that was in the first round that I – and I saw him play – at Barclays during the ACC tournament. He didn't play a lot. Two torn ACLs. Harry Giles, Harry Giles from Duke, freshman, power four, plays a little bit of center. Um, they have Portland picking him up at number 20. Now, three knee procedures, four points a game at Duke. Do you think that he could be a good player in the NBA, or do you think he kind of shot himself in the foot by coming out so early after not playing a lot in his freshman year at Duke. I think he shot himself in the foot a little too early. He should have went back and stayed in Duke one more year and, you know, increase his draft stock. Because I feel like if he's going to be a late first-rounder, depending on which team he goes to, he's probably 
going to get eventually at some point during the season get sent to the developmental league, which will probably be a detriment to his, to his game right now. So I think he really shot himself in the foot there coming out early. Yeah, I, I I don't see it. I feel like, especially with all the departures that Duke had with Tatum and Kennard. Yeah. He, this was his year to kind of break out and be that star on Duke, which is going to get your draft stock up. So they have you mocked going 20. You play at Duke and play a whole a full season, get your points up, get your rebounding up. You can go from 20 yeah, to 10. 6. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like Giles didn't, didn't really think that through. Um. Also, going to the local team again, Brooklyn has two picks in the first round. According to the Bleach Report mock draft, they have Brooklyn at 22 selecting, and this is another foreign name, so I apologize ahead of time if you're listening and, you know, you're from Latvia. Anges Persegnus, I think that's how you say his name, 724 from Latvia. Um, A player who I'm not sure would come over either right away. But do you think this would be a good selection for them to go overseas and maybe stash a guy for a year or two? Or do you think they need someone right now? Well, no, they could definitely stash somebody. You know, they don't really need to, like, overthink the draft pick. If they get somebody good that's probably a year away from playing, that's fine. Because, unfortunately, you're going to be in the same predicament next year. Yeah, I I don't see – I feel like if if you're San Antonio, if you're Golden State, if you're Cleveland, I feel like those are the teams that can afford to pick guys. San Antonio does it. Pick guys and stash them. The Sixers did it. Pick guys, stash them over. Come over when you think you're ready. When you want to come, when you want to come ball in the NBA. I feel like if you're a team like Brooklyn, if you're a team like Portland, if you're a team like, I would even go a team like Sacramento. You can't afford to pick players in the first round of the NBA draft and then say, hey, you know what? Just stay where you are when you're ready. Come on over. You don't need that. You need guys in the court now. You need guys to play. And for you to have this draft pick just disappear for two years, you, you can't that you can't win that way. Well, Jason, you there? And it seems like we lost Jason for a hot second, so we're gonna work on that and get him right back. Uh, also in the Bleach Report mock draft. We have the Nets selecting another foreign player, Isaiah Hartenstein from Germany. Jason, you there? Yeah, I'm here. So I hit the wrong. I hit the okay. button when I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think the so, Nets. The Nets. This is the Nets. The Nets need to stash players away. They're gonna get these foreign players and try to implement, help them implement their system, which is kind of like the Spurs anyway. And we know how well the Spurs are with foreign players. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just saying, in the Nets of 27, according to the Bleach Report, they're selecting Isaiah Hartenstein from Germany. So that's a second foreign player that the Nets could be looking at in that late round, too. And it's another player who they probably might have to stash. Um, they're saying he's not really ready yet, uh, 19 years old. He just turned 19, so he's really young. But the net. The Nets have goodwill, I will say this, because everyone knows they're not going to be good. So you could take a few chances and hope that they pan out later on. Right now, you're just playing you're just playing to keep Boston out of the top three again next year, essentially. That's where you're playing you're basketball right, yeah. next year. Next year, you're playing to make sure Boston gets a crappy draft pick. And I think that's the only that's the only way for them to prevent Boston from getting another top three pick is by drafting decent players. And if like 
going foreign on two first round draft picks is just not the way to do it. Well, don't forget, you know, we still have that Brooke Lopez option that's weighing heavy on the franchise. Do they trade him? Do they pick up some bad contracts? So I don't think they're necessarily going to be bottom terrible next year. I think they will find a way to at least hover around like, you know, 25 wins, 30 wins, keep them away from being a top four bottom team in the NBA. Well, thanks to the Warriors, the Warriors are going to beat everybody, so that's going to inflate a lot of teams' records. Well, even just thinking about that, it's just there's so many stories this summer. We have the draft next week. You have free agency starting soon after that. There's so many stories, especially on a local scene, when it comes to what our teams are going to do. Yeah, like you said, you have Brooke Lopez in, Bro- in Brooklyn. Jeremy Lin could be on a trade block. We don't know, but I think Jeremy Lin making a lot of money, older player, he might be on a trade block for a contending team. Look at the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Carmelo is still out there. We don't know where everything stands because Carmelo hasn't spoke about it. We don't know if the Knicks are going to make the dumb move and the dumb decision of resigning Derrick Rose. We don't know how Brzingis feels about things. If Brzingis is in play. Locally, there's a lot to talk about this summer. And, you know, by July 15th, we're going to know a lot how the teams look. We're going to know what these teams look like and if they made the right moves and if the season's going to be miserable again. But if this is the first time in a while that you're actually like, there's a lot that can go down for the Nets and the Knicks this offseason. And I feel like the Knicks do not need to shoot for the stars. Their goal is simply making the playoffs. It's been too long since they haven't made the playoffs, and Phil has not given us any indication that they could be a playoff team. So I think the Knicks really need to, you know, minimize their goals of being a championship-level team because we know that's not happening in the foreseeable future. Well, I mean, just make the playoffs. Like, you can get the eight seed. I feel like if you put up the other, an average team, you can make the playoffs. You have Porzingis, you have Carmelo. Now, is that going to bring you to the Eastern Conference Finals? Hell no, it's not. But at least try to make the damn playoffs. At least put together a team that's worthy of the eight seed. If you get swept to the first round by Cleveland, I'm okay with that. Just get there. Just get this. We have two playoff games in Madison Square Garden. But I feel like Phil's... Well, well, if Melo's on that Cleveland team, I'm going to be upset about that. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just... At least put the effort in. At least try to make the playoffs. I feel like still resigned to the fact that, you know, we're not going to playoff team. You know, which is the team you have. And, you know, this is... This is we're, we're building something. I'm like, you've been building something for three years, bruh. Like, just... You don't... Shoot, I remember you're not going to sign... Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I would love to see Porzingis get some playoff experience before Carl Anthony Towns, before Russell, before Okafor and Ben Simmons. I would love to see that for Porzingis. And if you notice, we were in a good position in about January. Early January, we were playing well. Things seemed to be clicking. And then, all of a sudden, they started trying to implement triangle elements to the Horn of Six offense, and that's when all hell broke loose. So obviously we know what the problem is. But there oh, were man. flashes. Yeah, there were flashes though. Like you actually had we were actually thinking about oh the Knicks could actually sneak in the playoffs. That'd be kind of cool. And then it just fell apart. So there's something there. Obviously the team is flawed. But there was right. something there that was working. And it's almost like Phil just hit a switch and just on purpose made everything not work. It's a hot mess in the It's going to be a hot mess this summer. 
I know Phil's going to ruin so, it. So, I, I don't know. He's, he's going to ruin it for us. Yeah. <laughs> and in other stories, Paul George is still kind of that lingering that lingering prize that everybody wants. He's not saying Indiana. We know this. So now, late reports have him wanting to go to the Lakers. LeBron and Cleveland may try to make a run at him. He may just leave Indiana and go straight in free agency next year, which I think is a good idea. I think he shouldn't try to get traded. I think, I mean, he has no option. He has no choice, obviously. But if I was him, I would say, listen, I just want to wait until free agency and get paid next year. But Indiana might try to get rid of him and probably ask for a ton for him, which that's why I'm thinking the trade won't happen. It, do you, on a scale of one to 10, what number do you put at Paul George being traded, if not this offseason? Before the trade deadline next season, I give it a ten. I think he gets traded mid-season, and I think it's to the Lakers because I think he's gonna he's gonna at some point Indiana they're gonna have to have the conversation: Are you staying long term or not? And if Paul keeps doing the I don't know, you know, a la you know Durant or somebody like that. They're gonna trade them. They're gonna really. They're gonna call Magic and be like, Magic, we'll take Russell, we'll take uh, Randall, and you can have Paul George because they do not want to lose him for nothing. We, we saw it. We saw how that plays out before with Kevin Durant. You don't want to go that route. So I think I think he gets traded only because he's not gonna be. He's gonna tip their hand and be like, Yeah, I'm not coming back. He's gonna get out of frustration, out of early season frustration. He's going to make it known to Indiana management that he's not coming back. I mean, I don't understand how they not notice already. The writing is all over the wall. So I think you cut a deal with Magic, it might happen on draft night. You never know. It might be for that number two pick. If they're really that disgusted with um, well, draft, Well, draft night could be interesting for that reason, I think. Because if, like, you said it, I think everybody knows Paul George is going to get traded. I'm of the impression that hopefully he doesn't get traded and we make this free agent frenzy next next summer because I think it'd be ridiculous seeing where Paul George lands. And you probably still see it anyway, but I think the team who trades for him is going to want some type of guarantee that he's going to resign with them. But draft night could be interesting for that reason. The Lakers are reportedly looking at trading that two pick. That two pick can go to Indiana. So you put together a package to that number two, like you said, Julius Randle, maybe one other player. Bad contract, Mozgov, possibly, wink, wink, for Paul George, and Indiana's pick, or maybe not even Indiana's pick. There's so many different ways the Lakers can pull this trade off. They have good, young trade assets. So it's going to be interesting to see where the Lakers go. I promise you this. It's not really out there. It's not really out there in a lot of media coverages, but I promise you, Danny Ainge and Magic are working that phone up until draft night with Indiana. Oh yeah, I'm 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 pretty sure that they're talking right as we do this show right now, and just trying to yeah. figure out what works for each for each team. Because mm-hmm. Magic said, Magic already said, "Hey, the only player on this team that is untouchable is Brandon Ingram. Everyone else is disposable." So he made it clear we're willing to listen. So and I feel like Danny Ainge and and Kevin Pritchard in the end are probably just like, "Okay, you're willing to listen. How about this? Okay, you don't like it? Okay, come back at me with something else." I feel like this trade-off is being thrown back and forth all day, every day, trying to figure this out. It's good. Like you said, it's going to be such a great summer, man. Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, Butler, 
Hayward. It's going to be a great summer. It really is. And thank, thank God we have this show. So we can, especially next week. Next week's the draft. It's going to be live. We're going to be live in the draft. We might actually, I might try to keep the show on for a little bit longer than an hour. If you're down, we can talk about I'm the down. picks and, and we, we can just do that. We'll watch it live and we'll, we'll just kind of talk about it and kind of just spitball thing. So we'll do that next you know, week. Like talk about the draft and, and we'll do that. It'll be a two hour box out next Thursday night. <laughs> so we'll do that. Um, in one, you had a rant. You told me today you had a rant about the NBA awards. And I didn't want to ask you what the rant was because I wanted to hear it the first time tonight. What is your rant and your problem with the NBA awards happening in New York City? My problem with the NBA awards is that I see what the NBA is doing about how they're going about business. They see a, a kink in the armor of the NFL. So they're trying to do the NFL route. They're trying to extend the NBA season to well into the summer where we're talking about the NFL. We're talking about the NBA well after the draft. And my thing about the award ceremony is I'm pretty sure it's going to be a great show. Drake's a fantastic host. He's going to do a great job. It's right here in New York City. Hopefully the weather's good next um, two weeks from now. Hopefully the weather's good. But my problem mm-hmm. is Russell Westbrook is going to get the MVP, and it's going to feel like when you and your best friend, you know, your best friend is engaged, he's about to make that announcement, and somehow – you got married before him, and you made that announcement months after he was supposed to make that announcement. <laughs> so I feel like he's gonna get that. He's gonna get that trophy, and it's gonna be one of the most most lackluster acceptance speeches, or it could be a great petty speech in NBA history. But what I don't like about the NBA awards ceremony is that it's so late after the season, and then I looked at the calendar last night, two weeks after the NBA awards. It's the ESPYs. So now we're going to get Russell Westbrook. He's going to win his MVP in two weeks. And then two weeks later, Kevin Durant's going to get another award because the Golden State Warriors are going to be the, you know, declared the best team. So I feel mm-hmm. really bad for Westbrook. He deserves a platform all by himself. He doesn't need to be in the middle of uh, Kevin Durant's victory parade. And he should have got that trophy before he exited the playoffs in, in April. That's my only beef about it. I think the ceremony should. I think the whole NBA award ceremony show, if it's going to be about the regular season, it should have happened at the conclusion of the regular season, right before the playoffs started. Yeah, I, I understand what they're trying to do. Like you said, I think we get, we get trying to put together a show and make a little extra money and make this really big extravagant night of it. But you're right. I feel like I look forward to in the playoffs a player winning MVP and then getting awarded the MVP award on his home court during the playoffs in front of his home crowd. That was always a good moment before a game. And not, whether they lost that game, whether they ended up losing the series, just seeing Kevin Durant get the MVP trophy in OKC during the playoffs. Just seeing Steph Curry get the MVP on his floor in Golden State at Oracle. That was always a really good moment. I feel like the NBA is just paper chasing mm-hmm. so hard and just like that's you take away these moments and it's like you don't leave much and, just, and everyone knows what it is everybody knows why why they're doing it it's it's not a yeah. you know it's not a unknown fact why they're doing it it's just it's not always about trying to get the extra buck and trying to get more you know, more sponsor time and make that extra 150,000 dollars from uh 
from Bose or Gatorade. Just, just, just let it, just let it be. At sometimes, just let things go. Just let things work, run the way it's run. Totally agree. But like I said, I feel so bad because um, Westbrook's not going to get that opportunity to lift that trophy up until uh, what October, November, in front of his, you know, home fans. That's not fair to the fans. Mm-hmm. Okay, see, that's not fair to Russell Westbrook either. So I think they really did a detriment to him and the whole MVP award. Because who's the same next year? We already, we now know how the NBA is establishing this award. They're not going to give it to anybody in Golden State because there's too many superstars on that team. LeBron's not, he's not in the whole chasing MVPs right now. He already got his three. He's more chasing rings. So he'll coast if he has to. So now we know that whoever gets the MVP next year, most likely he's not going to be in the NBA Finals. So we're going to get the same situation again next season if they do this continue to do the award ceremony after the season which i think is just it's just so not fair very true I, and I, I i agree with your rant i totally agree with it and i think hopefully this is they realize what they're doing and they don't do this next year but it's the nba they're, they're going to do it again um we also talked on text today about and i missed the entire day i was at school all day at field day playing four quarter eighth graders so while i was being <laughs> nice. winded up running about like when it, while I was like halfway dying running down the court, uh, there was a little Instagram war between Draymond Green and LeBron James. LeBron, uh, Draymond and the Warriors had their championship parade, and Draymond wore a shirt with the Q from Quicken Loans Arena, where Cleveland plays, and the NBA trophy. The Q followed by the rest of the words, so the words about Quickie, which signifies. The the quickness, the ease of which Golden State dispatched of Cleveland. So LeBron puts on his Instagram a picture of Draymond Green with the cookie shirt on with the tag. That's what she said, huh? I'm like, okay, that's, that's kind of cool. You, and then, and it was a video of LeBron. I guess LeBron got a haircut and kind of shaved it down. LeBron got a one. And Draymond kind of posted the picture of LeBron bald and said, them dubs finally made him go ball, congrats at King James. So I don't know what to say to this because it's on both ends, it's funny. But it was, it was like, oh, and it's, just, and it's a bad it. look for LeBron to me. It's a bad look to, for LeBron. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. You know, my problem with it, with LeBron's rebuttal is, you know, when you was trolling the Warriors all season, you know, Ultimate Warrior and the whole, you know, Undertaker at the whole Tombstones, you know, 3-1. The Warriors were quiet. They kept quiet throughout the whole season about it. They had nightmares. Mm-hmm. I get it. They, they kept it quiet. So you got to be humble right now. You know, you had your fun last year. They got to have their fun now. It's, it's only right. And we know you guys are going to meet up again next year. So just worry about improving your team and trying to get the upper hand there. It's a a game of one-ups, and I love it. Well, this is the other thing I want to talk about, too, and I posted on Facebook, LeBron saying that he's never played for a super team. Now, we know Golden (laughs) State is a super team. We understand that. Durant, Curry, Klay Thompson, Raymond Green, you add Iguodala's hat as kind of a fifth leg. For LeBron to say he's never played on a super team, I would say LeBron created the super team. The Boston Celtics with Garnett, Pierce, Ray Allen. 
that was kind of a super team, but they were a lot older and they were kind of in their their last few years. So I don't really consider that a super super team. LeBron goes to Miami, recruiting Bosch and Wade. LeBron coming back to Cleveland to Kyrie, forcing Cleveland to trade Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love to create another big three. For him to say they've never had a he's never had a super team or played on a super team is insanity. And that's revisionist history on his part. I totally agree with you. If anything, that one thing that Cleveland has over Golden State is they have two first round picks, first overall draft picks. We all, you know, we said before, Golden State's organic. You know, except for Kevin Durant, that's one acquisition. Everybody else has been there. They, you know, the core has been there. LeBron has been an awful GM. This last two seasons, he's been an awful GM. But yeah, he formed two superpower teams. He knew the reason he went back to Cleveland is because they had Kyrie Irving and at the time they had Wiggins. So he, he knew what he was doing. I, I think the whole stop, you can't cry super team now because you motivated these guys to do that. You spanked Durant so bad that first year that, you know, you guys all matched up. So, you know, to me, LeBron started this culture. You cannot run from that. He started this culture. So you got to sit back and just take it. No, he's not. And like I said before about the Draymond Instagram thing, it's just a bad look for LeBron. It makes him look petty. It makes him look like he's above everything when, like you said, he created this. He started this. He put together Super Team Miami when enforced – and look at the domino effect. Wade kept deferring money, deferring money, deferring money to the point where Miami's like, we're not going to pay you. We're done with you. And he left. Chris Bosh could have went to Houston and formed his own super team and ended up staying with Miami and not, you know, not saying his health issues had anything to do with staying in Miami, but he kind of felt this obligation to stay in Miami and create his own thing by himself. I feel like it, I feel for LeBron to say he's never had a, a played on a super team tells me that he's tone deaf yeah. and wasn't thinking about what he was saying. And for someone, you know, so you're, you're, you're the premier athlete in the world. You have to think before you speak, because we can just go back and look. Something about something about LeBron. I'm starting. You know, you make up a good point. Starting to rub me a little the wrong way. He really left Dwayne and Bosh a little high and dry the way he exited Miami. Because had he stayed in Miami, there's no way Wade was leaving. Bosh helped. Yeah, we know. You know, we knew that. You know, that was. No one saw that coming. But by you not saying that you was, you know, you, like you're right, you kind of forced Bosch to stay in my own and took that money from Houston if you gave him a, a proper, you know, heads up that he wasn't coming back or your major intention knowing that you was leaving to go back to Cleveland. So I, I kind of see what you're saying there. I feel like the PM LeBron is, is what's failing the player LeBron. You know, like I said, I think I, think I texted you. They would have been they would have been in the series if they had a waiter than Williams a little bit further yeah. than if they had love. So, you know, oh, LeBron's I totally agree. Yeah, LeBron's reluctance to play with young players is, is becoming a detriment right now. Meanwhile, he's mm-hmm. I was going to say he's always looking to get veteran players, but that's not going to win you championships right now. Not, not in this Warrior culture we're in now. Meanwhile, Golden State's putting guys like Patrick McCall on the floor and playing James McAdoo exactly. some minutes in the NBA Finals where they're like, listen – you may not get a lot of burn. You may play 10 minutes a game, but when you go in, we expect you to play hard. And they yep. give them, they're empowering them to go in there and play. 
LeBron doesn't want that. LeBron forced Cleveland to trade for Kyle Korver, to pick up uh, Darren Williams, to pick up uh, Andrew Bogut. LeBron forced their hand on that. I think Cleveland and David Griffin, the GM, was content on building a little bench nucleus for some young guys, and LeBron wasn't having it. I'll even go a step further. I think getting rid of um, Blacks, the coach, is starting to come back to haunt the team now because his style of play would have been perfect to go against this Warriors style of play right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, and now the rumor is LeBron's going to try to pay, play in L.A. and he's not going to finish his career in Cleveland, and it, it's a whole big thing. And I'm, I'm not, I don't want to talk about that because I feel like that's kind of uns, that's kind of rumor and innuendo. I don't want to go into that about where he's going to go, where he's going to. We know he's in Cleveland, and they have to make some moves fast. LeBron's not going anywhere in the foreseeable future. This is this rivalry is the new Lakers versus Celtics. LeBron is LeBron's turn to go get make a move here and keep this thing going. And God bless them. Hopefully they win because I would hate to see them lose again to the uh, to the Warriors next year. Um, so we're going to talk about the WNBA every week also, because now basketball NBA season's over. I think WNBA deserves some type of spotlight that they never receive anywhere. So we're going to give them the spotlight. Jason, you're the New York Liberty beat writer for double G sports. So you would know better than anyone, the ins and outs of the WNBA. So we're going to do a little WNBA talk every week for a little bit. Um, right now there's actually a game on, uh, the Indiana fever beating Atlanta dream 74, 70, they're in the fourth quarter, 241 left, Fever with a four-point lead. And tonight at 1030, you have the, uh, the Stars and the Sparks playing at 1030 in L.A. Uh, right now, the Liberty are in second place in the Eastern Conference. From the games you've watched this this year so far, what is your thoughts about the New York Liberty and their, their shot, their chances of actually winning their first WBA championship? I think they still have to work out a few things. They're, they're definitely going to, I think they're going to come out the East this year. Uh, I like what I'm seeing from Tina Charles. And once they get, once they get some of the core players back from um, the European championships going on right now, they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. What you got to really watch out for is Minnesota. Minnesota's looking real strong right now. They're still undefeated. I believe the record is up to 9 0 now. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be, they're going to be a problem out West. And the Liberties. The Liberty played them tough early in the season, but that's going to be the measuring stick. Do they have enough? Do they have enough depth to compete with the Minnesota's out there? That's going to be tough. It is. It, it, it's funny because, it, it, you know, for since the WNBA started, I was always kind of that fringy fan, and I watched, you know, what Rebecca Lobo and Teresa Witherspoon, and I was always interested in the team, and they always got so close, and they weren't able to kind of get over that hump. And I feel like now you have this new this nucleus of Sugar Rogers and Tina Charles. Yep. Um, Essence Carson went to my high school, actually. I went to high school with Essence Carson in Patterson, New Jersey. So I'm a fan of hers also. She's not there no, no longer, I think. But, you know, I think at some point, this this has to be the year. I think Lambeer, for this franchise, they have to kind of move ahead and win that championship. They And I felt like last year was their shot, and they just didn't show up in the playoffs. And I feel like this year they have that team, that team together that's been together for a while that can actually, I think, make a run and actually said, come out the East and actually compete. But Minnesota is a buzzsaw at 9 0 right now. Yeah. It's going to be tough. And I, I, it, it really is. It is um, your thoughts about apparently, and obviously, we don't see a lot of Brittany Griner in New York. We only see Liberty games, and sometimes they're on TV, sometimes they're not. 
but apparently Brittany Griner's had an MVP season, which everyone's been waiting for because Brittany Griner's been kind of quiet since coming into the WNBA after leaving Baylor. Yeah. I've seen her when she played the Liberty. She, she had a great first half, but then, you know, the defense of Liberty shut her down the second half. It seemed like Tarasi is stepping back a little bit and letting it be Griner's team, which is perfect for the way they play. So um, maybe mm-hmm. they might start. Maybe they might start making a move here, and they're gelling. And maybe they might do team knocks off the Minnesota. Because once you're, because I'm saying you're down the post, you really should see how she plays. She plays how Kevin Love used to play when she gets to the post. So at this moment in time, you would say WBA Finals, Minnesota Liberty, or is this someone else that you're looking at? out of the West that could give Minnesota run for the money and knock them out and go to the WNBA finals. I would love to see that. Let me tell you, I would love to see that. Because, <laughs> I mean, you have the LA Sparks 6-3, and three, Phoenix Mercury 5-4. and four. I don't see Seattle. I've watched a couple of Seattle Storm games. I just don't, I just don't see it. I think they're missing something. Um, Washington's really well. They get Elena Deladon from Chicago. She's, she's playing well mm-hmm. as she normally does. The Atlanta Dream is always a team that I hear about every single season. That's always kind of that that kind of the under the radar team that makes the playoffs, but they aren't always able to advance in the playoffs. But they have a really good roster, so I think not just Washington, but I think for the Liberty, Atlanta could be that that roadblock that they could face going to the finals. Could be, but I just think the the Liberty their their strength is their front court and their defense. And I would get them, especially the way I see how they handle Grinder and the Mercury. I definitely think that if that continues, it's still early in the season. They'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, what would you give Isaiah Thomas as president of the New York Liberty right now? I'm gonna give him a ten because I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him yet. It's a card. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, we have a final. Indiana Fever eighty-five. Atlanta Dream seventy-four. As I just said, Atlanta can. Maybe knock off the Liberty, but they lose. They lose to the Fever tonight uh, by nine. San Antonio, LA at ten thirty. Do this every week. Once a little WNBA, and yeah, July twenty second is their All Star game. So WNBA.com, vote for your favorite WNBA All Stars, and you know get the word out. WNBA is good basketball, and I, I'm I, I'm still upset that they don't get the type of publicity and burn that they deserve. I just think it's because of the male chauvinistic view in terms of like women sports, but I think it's it's starting to increase a little bit. You know, it's getting a lot of regional recognition. ESPN starting to cover a lot more games, and people are taking notice. It's some good basketball, especially throughout you know, especially with the NCAA. You know, there's no longer just a Connecticut stronghold on the college sport. So now you have so many programs that have better. You remember the days where it was Tennessee or Connecticut. Now you have like at least five teams that's being for a championship. We played Connecticut in one title this year. It was a foregone yeah. conclusion that they went. So, you know, I think women's basketball is just it's in a good space right now. It really is. It really is. Jason, as usual, great show tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for draft night next week, man. Oh, it should be fun. Get the curse, get the curse button ready for the, for the get the curse button ready oh, for the next race. Get the delete button going. So, for Jason, I'm Khalil. Box out Thursday, 8 p.m. WG Sports Radio. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace.